Today, we have Doug Hoyes, who's going to talk to us about, or not only just talk to us, but it better explain some forms uh, that are used during the insolvency process, whether consumer proposal or bankruptcy, and some tips that we should all know about how, how the process works and, and what matters most to an underwriter. Welcome to the audio version of BARG, exclusively for Canadian mortgage professionals who want to avoid losing the rate game by using the credit game to win. To join the conversation for visuals and additional resources, you can go to our private Facebook or LinkedIn page, and all the links and resources are in the show notes. Today we have Doug Hoyes, and uh, you're the co-founder of Hoyes Michaelis. Yeah, I started, I'm a chartered accountant by, by background. I worked with the big accounting firms, KPMG, PricewaterhouseCoopers, and then uh, Ted Michaelis and I started Hoyes Michaelis in January of 1999. So Hoyes Michaelis has been going for however many years that is. I won't uh, do the math, but uh, it, it's been a while. You have some it's experience. Let's just put it that way. The podcast, done the Debt 30 podcast. Oh, yeah. We're now into season number nine. So year number nine, Debt Free in 30. And it's a, a podcast once a week that focuses on, well, you know, being debt free. So we talk about consumer proposals, bankruptcy, but we also cover a whole lot of other issues as well. Uh, you've been a guest on the podcast I'm guessing once, twice, three times. I'm not sure exactly how many times. So we try to bring on a diverse group of guests as well so that, and it's for a, a broad audience of people who are trying to be better financially prepared. What would you say Canadians would assume is the worst thing that you can do to your credit? What, what debt program would be the worst thing that uh, could happen to them? If you asked the average person on the street, I would assume they would say bankruptcy. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, mean, because when you look at the credit scale, well, it goes from one to nine and bankruptcy is nine. So therefore, it must be the worst. I think that would be the the prevailing opinion. I would agree. I I call that the the B word. Um, But there's one type of mistake or error or issue with the credit that is even worse. And brokers would be a lot more familiar with this. It's uh, what I call the F word or, or foreclosure. Anytime there's any issues with a mortgage, it makes everything a lot more difficult when trying to get additional mortgage financing. But the reason why I have you here is to explain or kind of determine how do we find out that an insolvency has included a property. So we're going to go through uh, some of the, I guess, documentation and, and what, uh, what it's like. But I, I just wanted to preface this as, as the reason why we're checking into this is I think brokers in general like to run away from any issues with uh, a consumer proposal or bankruptcy just because uh, they, they find it difficult, uh, but there's great opportunities that exist when you know how to use the credit education uh, that we're trying to provide here on BARG to get them back to best rates and best terms and help them out. The forms that I wanted to kind of go through in the process is, is really to help brokers know what they're looking at, uh, because unfortunately, if there has been any 
insolvency on your client's credit report and it shows up, the underwriter is going to want to see a few things. Um, but we'll, we'll start with kind of the, the process and the review because I, I think trustees get a really bad rap or, or intimidating uh, because there's so much, I don't know, unknown information about how it works and, and how it goes. But um, tell me if I'm wrong, but essentially the first step, a debtor or a client would come into your office for a free review of their debt situation. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And you, you hit the key word there, which is free. The law yeah. says I cannot, and I'm going to oversimplify this a little bit, but basically right. I don't start collecting my fees until the process starts. You also are, is it legally required to let them know about the other debt programs too, as far as credit counseling or, or, or stuff, or is that just something you do because you're nice and you want to just give them all the options? Well, I would, yes, I am nice and I would want someone to give, <laughs> give them all the options, but yes, we are required to perform an assessment, which means, and you can go to the office of the superintendent's bankruptcy website and you can read the directive on assessments and, but yes, we are, no one's going to do are, that, Doug. <laughs> yeah. We are, we are required to explain the options. And w when someone comes in to see me, there are many options. One option might be, well, get a second job. You'll be able to generate enough money to pay it off for yourself. Right. Another option might be, hey, you own a house that's got some equity. Why don't you talk to a mortgage broker? Maybe they can refinance, free up enough cash to pay off your credit card. That's perfect. Ding, ding, good. ding, ding. <laughs> yeah, so that, exactly. That, that should be a great option for uh, the, the anyone coming in or mortgage brokers, I hope you caught that. A lot of trustees would like to have a relationship with a broker or, or people that can provide options to their clients uh, because it might be something where they can use that as part of the strategy to do a lump sum proposal or just, just not have to go through the process in the, the beginning. Yeah, and let's be very specific on that then. If someone comes in to see me and they have $50,000 worth of unsecured debt, credit cards, you know, taxes, payday loans, whatever it is, and they've mm -hmm. got $300,000 worth of equity in their house, well, I'm not doing a bankruptcy because I would have to take their house. And right. a consumer proposal is probably not a great option because when we go to the creditors and say, hey, they owe 50000 would you be willing to accept a deal where they pay back thirty? The creditors are going to say, no, they got a house worth 300000 bucks. Sell the house, give us the money. So my solution, a consumer proposal, is not the correct solution in that scenario. So once they've met with you, you've expressed or outlined kind of the, the pros and cons, if you want to call it that, or, or just different scenarios, then they decide to proceed with either a bankruptcy or consumer proposal. Now it comes to uh, a form 79, which uh, is really the statement of affairs. Yeah, the same form for a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy. The first number I want to draw broker's attention to is the estate number at the top of this form. I locked it out, obviously, for privacy. should match the number that you're seeing on the Equifax and TransUnion credit report. The first two digits indicate the jurisdiction, whether it was in 
you know, Toronto or Calgary or wherever, and then the, the digits after that. If there's an estate number, then you know it's an actual real file. It was registered with the Office of the Superintendent of Bankruptcy. Something to keep in mind, if the estate number doesn't match on the credit report, you might want to talk to your client. Maybe there was a previous bankruptcy or proposal and they're sending you one form, but you're seeing it different on the, on the credit report. I'd love to say the credit reports are accurate, but uh, in my experience, they're not as accurate as I would like them to be. Yes, they are. They are virtually never accurate. So, well, if I was a broker looking at something like this, I would say to my client, ask the trustee to send you a copy of your creditor's package, and that's what how we refer to it as. And the creditor's package includes Form seventy nine. Yeah, previous insolvencies show up on the the third page. Yeah, right there. So you can see, I guess it's question 11. Have you ever yep. filed a proposal before? Have you ever, ever filed a bankruptcy before? And if the answer is yes, then all previous insolvencies should be listed. So you'd be able to look at that and go, oh, okay, I see there's a number on the credit report that's different. What was on the front page of Form 79? Well, is it one of these numbers here? Yes. Okay. So then that's reflecting a previous insolvency. I don't know if underwriters look that much into detail, but it's much smarter for a broker to know the full story before they start submitting things, as opposed to finding out down the road and the underwriter catching, Hey, what happened? There is the, I see this, the second bankruptcy or, or a previous proposal on there, um, as brokers most brokers would know that a double bankruptcy is essentially uh, not going to get approved for best rates and best terms uh, as long as it's on there. And, and that might be reason why you're seeing the, the bankruptcy on the credit report even after the six or seven years because it stays on for 14 years, which is quite a big jump compared to just one, one bankruptcy. Yeah. And, and this is an easy document for the trustee to send because everything's electronic now. So yes. at my firm, Hoys Michael, is we've been doing everything electronically since 2006. Um, okay. So any document you want to see, yeah, I can email it to you. It takes me about 10 seconds. So, you know, there's no reason you can't ask for it. I'd like to see the creditor's package, please. The whole thing. Boom. You yep. should be able to get that in no time. And uh, unfortunately, not all trustees are as uh, respondent as, as you are. <laughs> um, and so what I'll do in the show notes or, or the uh, kind of the information below this video, I'll, I'll put the link to the OSB that the client can call and they can request for their documentation as well, the creditor package, Form 79, whatever they need uh, if, if you're looking for documentation. And the trustee or the clients try to get a hold of the trustee, but the, the trustee just isn't responding for whatever reason. On the asset page, as part of the creditor package, you can see here on six, any real property. One of the main things that underwriters are looking for when they look at Form 79 or the creditor package, they're essentially looking to see, has there been any property included in the insolvency? bankruptcy, consumer proposal, whatever it is, is there an official form that would confirm whether it's been included or not? Well, if they were reasonably up to date with their payments in that on that mortgage, it would take months and months and months and months for the secured creditor to go through the process of 
you know, foreclosing, seizing the property, selling it, and then figuring out what the shortfall is and then filing a claim in the proposal could take a couple of years. And in fact, it may not even be the mortgage lender who's filing the claim because likely they have insurance, CMHC or whomever else is insuring it. So it would be CMHC who would ultimately be filing the claim. And CMHC is very slow, like horrifically slow. So I've had cases where it's taken 10 years for CMHC to file a claim. So the person surrenders the house, goes bankrupt, bankruptcy is finished, they get on with their life, and then eventually CMHC gets around to filing a claim. Okay, well, whatever. All the money's probably been dispersed long since by then anyways. But um, so the only secured creditor who typically would file a claim in a, well, I'm, I'm ex- again, exaggerating, but the most typical secured type creditor we would see in an insolvency would be someone like CMHC. Of course, they're not secured at that point because the house is already sold and it's the, the shortfall they're dealing. So if you see a claim from CMHC, then you can be pretty certain that there was a shortfall on a real property. Sometimes I see even just registered for a dollar. Uh, yeah, and it's 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 a notification thing. So if someone comes in and says to me, yeah, my house got repoed two years ago and I haven't heard anything since, then I go, okay, well, we know you don't own the house anymore, so I'm not going to list it as an asset. I will list on page three of Form 79 that, you know, house was surrendered to the secured creditor, sold whatever, three years ago. And then I would list as a creditor the original mortgage holder, you know, the bank. Um, And then I would list CMHC as well. And maybe I'd put them both down for a dollar because we have no idea what the amounts are. But then at least they're they're both notified that the insolvency has happened. And then if the underwriter is looking for anything in addition to that, um, essentially, you would need to grab a, a current title. Yeah, you're right. That's the other obvious procedure then. So if they're continuing to make their mortgage payment and it shows up on their credit report, and then you're right, obviously a title search would also show that they still own it. Right. So there's there's pretty good adv- evidence right there. What happens if they don't complete something, whatever it is, don't make the payments, don't complete the the two counseling sessions, whatever the situation is? What's this form 52? <laughs> this is what's issued if the consumer proposal didn't finish. You can see that there's three choices. It was refused by the creditors. So in a consumer proposal, every unsecured creditor gets one vote for every dollar they're owed. We need more than half of the dollars voting to say yes. So in this case, if, if more than half of the dollars voted no, well, then the proposal is refused. The second scenario would be the court refuses to accept a consumer proposal. I don't think I've ever had that happen. And then the third case, which is more common, would be withdrawn. So the rule is you can withdraw a proposal, a consumer proposal, before deemed court approval, and it is like it never happened. At any time before day 45 or day 66, whenever it is, the debtor can say, yeah, you know what? Forget it. They can withdraw the proposal. It's as though it never happened. And so form 52, it would be exactly as you're displaying it on the screen. So as soon as a consumer enters into an insolvency within a week, generally, that public record is showing up on the Equifax and TransUnion credit report. 
or at least should. And what happens when they withdraw is technically, as, as Doug has mentioned there, legally, it's as if it never happened. However, Equifax and TransUnion, there's been some issues in the past or, or even currently where they don't remove it automatically. And so that's something where based on the Bankruptcy Act and, and my arguments to Equifax and TransUnion, which I, I do on a regular basis, uh, is essentially that should be removed completely. Just keep that in mind that those are errors that can be corrected uh, and and could be holding back your client from getting best rate financing for no reason. Now, Form 56. The most common reason for an annulment is you didn't make your payments. Again, I'm oversimplifying slightly, but proposals are written as typically monthly payments. And if you get three months behind, the proposal is deemed to be annulled. The most common scenario would be, well, either I'm going to have to start paying my creditors, which I guess if I couldn't make the payments and the proposals is probably impossible, or I'm going to have to go bankrupt. And a lot of times the consumer the client, or your client went into a proposal or bankruptcy not knowing what was expected or didn't really understand the process or, or didn't understand the consequence of it. And essentially they, they go in, they think, oh, I, I just get a discount, uh, you know, or maybe they paid uh, a few thousand dollars for a debt consultant that just kind of essentially said, hey, you should sign here and uh, didn't really understand what was going on. But whatever the situation is, they essentially had entered the legal process, then jumped out either by inaction or just conscious, consciously not wanting to move forward. The problem is, as as Doug said, on, on the consumer side or, or just on the legal side, there's problems. But on the credit side, it, it leads to big problems because now that proposal stays on the credit report for seven years instead of the three from completion or six from the time that debtor entered or filed the proposal. And on a bankruptcy, if they don't complete it for whatever reason, then essentially it will stay on the TransUnion credit report forever, <laughs> which is not, I laugh only because of how sad of, of a position that puts consumers in thinking that uh, they're doing the right thing by starting to pay their creditors back or, or just trying to avoid the problem. And then they end up uh, kind of shooting themselves in the foot for a long period of time. Yeah. And it, it is a serious problem. So, and just to clarify that then, so, if the proposal is annulled, it's seven years from the date of annulment? From the date entered. Yes, it's a very serious issue to have a proposal annulled, which is why we keep very close track of all our clients. And if they start getting behind, we meet with them and we say, hey, look, can you start making a couple extra dollar payments every month? Or maybe we need to amend the proposal. If it's no longer viable, maybe we need to go back to the creditors and say, look, I can't afford 300 bucks a month. Can we do 200? and see if we can get a, a better deal for you. So either one of those options is a lot better than an annulment. Just whatever it is, once you enter into the, the debt program, uh, whether a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy, just make sure you complete it because otherwise it, it becomes sticky and messy and, and expensive to try and revive or, or start all over again. Um, and, and it just postpones things. It's, it, 
it's terrible. It's one of the worst conversations I have with consumers is, hey, you jumped out because you thought it was better just to go back and start paying your, your creditors directly. And the creditors will take the money and that's fine, but it, it's still destroying your credit, even though you're now paying your creditors directly or you've settled or whatever the situation is. And and now to get it off your credit report or updated, now you got to go into a bankruptcy or, or another proposal or something. And now it just resets all the time frames, and, and it's very messy. Uh, I hate that conversation. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And you, when you're having open heart surgery, you don't jump out in the middle of it and say, yeah, forget about it. No, you got to finish, man. You better let the surgeon close you up and uh, reconnect everything before you walk out of the operating room. And it's, and it's the same with this. A couple forms left. So form 46. This is the certificate of full performance. So this is the whole point of it. This yeah. is the document you want that says I'm done. So the proposal ends when you get the certificate of full performance. So if you're wondering, did the person finish it? If this form exists, yes, they did. And that's what the underwriter is looking for. So they're looking yeah. for the, the form 79. Uh, they may accept the dividend sheet or, or claim register, but most of the time they're looking for form 79, just a little more, I guess, in depth on, uh, on the information there. And then form 46, if it's proposal, and if it's a, a bankruptcy, form 84. Yeah, which is the certificate of discharge. So a proposal completes or is fully performed, whereas a bankruptcy is discharged. So means the same thing. It's just it's just different words. And that's essentially the process in, in a nutshell. Uh, like I said, that I, I do have other episodes that go into how each one affects the credit in more detail, uh, which one you know, as far as errors or, or issues or, or common errors after a proposal or bankruptcy that show up on the credit report that you can take a look at. But to finish this off, uh, Doug, is there anything, any other advice that you'd have for, for a broker that we haven't essentially covered already? I think if someone comes to you and they've got a bunch of debt, and if you can refinance them, great. But if you can't, then reach out to a licensed insolvency trustee. And it's, you said it at the beginning, it's good to have a relationship with somebody who you can fire an email to and say, here's the scenario I've got, what do you think? Because I can usually look at it in five minutes, go, hey, you know what, this ain't going to fly or it is. In a lot right. of cases, the broker already has access to their credit report. So you can answer the questions for me. What other debts do they have? What's going on? And so the answer may be that, well, if they clean up a couple of things on their credit report, you can finance them so you don't need me. It may be that they really should sell the house because they can't afford it. Or maybe it is possible to do a consumer proposal, clean up the debt they've got, and as a result, they can keep their house. Or maybe they need to get rid of the house, get rid of all the debt, do a proposal to clean it all up so that in the future, they can come back to you when they've saved up some money and can, can buy the next house. But all of these things we talked about, it's impossible to remember all this stuff. Nobody's going to remember what Form 84 is after this conversation ends. So just like I don't know what mortgage rates are, I don't know what a trigger rate means. I mean, that's not my area of expertise, right? So right. I think reach out to the professional. We're always happy to chat um, because 
licensed insolvency trustees will have clients they can send to you who need refinancing and vice versa. You'll have people that you can't help now, but you'd like to stay on their good side because, well, they've probably got a friend or family member who's going to need a mortgage at some point. So if you can right. help them out, even without by even if it's not by giving them a mortgage, then that's that's something that's a good idea to do. So that's my my closing advice. Don't be afraid to uh, reach out. Um, most of us won't bite. We're uh, we're always happy to answer questions. And if you have uh, specific questions about that, uh, or or looking for trustees uh, that are good and 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 that uh, you want, you can always reach out to me. I can recommend Doug may be on my list of, of recommends or not. Uh, but uh, either way, it's something where I agree. Uh, building that relationship with trustees is a great referral source, but also just help or assistance to to have that contact. Your mortgage application that you're filling out is essentially what they're going to need anyways to, to run their numbers. So if you're looking for numbers being run or just a solution, a potential solution, that information is exactly what the trustee would need anyways. And then they can he can have an intelligent conversation about those numbers, which helps everyone involved, which is great. So we'll end there. Thank you so much for coming on, Doug. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Richard. As a reminder, if you have any comments, please put them down below. If you had the question, most likely another broker now or down the road will have the same one. If you have a specific client scenario that you want me to review, please send me all the details you can to info at creditgame.net and I'll see how I can help. You can click the see more button in order to get the links and resources that we talk about in the episode. And I look forward to seeing you on the next one.